Hi, and welcome to Mind the Millennial Gap. My name is Chris, and I'm an elder millennial. And my name is Jillian, and I'm a younger millennial. And together, we discuss topics from our viewpoints across the different ends of millennialism. And we are so happy to have you here with us. Hey, Jeej. Hey, Chris. How are you? I am very good. Thank you. How about you? So good. So happy. Wonderful. We're, we're back. We're back, everyone. Thank you for letting us take kind of an un, um, unscheduled break. Things have just been really, really busy lately, and things kind of just got away from us, but so happy to be back. I've missed this. Yeah, me too. I was telling, I was telling Jillian just... Uh, a handful of minutes ago before we started it's like it's so nice to be podcasting again yeah it is it is i feel a little bit rusty but (laughs) (laughs) so excited (laughs) Uh, anything we need to like talk about before we get into Mm, it today chris what was the most millennial thing that happened to you this week oh my gosh would you believe i've never prepared for this ever (laughs) Uh, most millennial thing that happened to me this week um, I don't know, complaining about grocery shopping and the cost of everything. You know, I don't know if that's like <laughs> s- stuck to millennials currently, but yeah, things are getting really expensive, like really expensive. Like having to be a somewhat conscious like shopper. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of wild. Chris found the cheap eggs today for yeah three fifty, <laughs> which is crazy. Yeah, three fifty for twelve instead of seven bucks oh, for twelve. It's so nuts. It's so nuts. I stopped eating eggs. Like that's that's how that's how cheap I am, guys. I I um one little thing about Chris. Um, he's cheap. He's pretty dang cheap, and has no problem going into like refugee mode, like at a snap of the fingers. No, I I would counter <laughs> that and say you're just cost conscious. Like you're not to the point where anyone is ever like put out or uncomfortable because of your choices that's what i think cheap is like you're just cost conscious and it's great all right cheap for myself have no problem taking care of other people (laughs) but very (laughs) cheap for myself (laughs) we love you (laughs) i had to i had to ask jillian months ago if i could buy a new pair of gym shoes and I was so mad at him because there's no like permission giving. There's nothing like that in our relationship. I was like, of course. Like, I think I needed someone to acknowledge that my gym shoes have gotten to the point of like no return because my cheap self was like, they still walk, don't they? These are fine. There, it was missing rubber on like parts of like the bottom of the shoe I'd worn through the bottoms. <laughs> So, goal for 2023 is um, Chris takes care of himself. Chris has the freedom to take care of himself <laughs> in whatever way he wants. Uh, getting that cheap oh, out of there is tough. I mean, we're all, it's all dug in. And that kind of like leads in a little bit to, to what we're talking about today. Chris, you got a little bit of a preview earlier. I have no clue what we're talking about today, but, 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 Jillian does this to me often, everyone. She asks me a question, waits for an answer, and then moves on so that she doesn't have to answer the exact same question that she asks me. <laughs> You're just so interesting. And so, Jillian, is, we probably are, um, I don't know, 20% of the time I'll remember to ask her the question back. <laughs> so, Jillian, what was the most millennial thing that happened to you this week? Oh, um, it was probably Friday night. So this this Friday night, um, I go to this lovely spin cycle studio, 
down in like it's about 25 minutes away from us yeah shout out torrent cycle shout out to torrent if, if you're in salt lake it is a wonderful what would you call it a cycle studio yeah. is that what it's called yeah yeah wonderful cycle studio definitely come check it out it's if you're around incredible it's very inclusive it's it's very lovely um but they are doing kind of a taylor swift themed series of rides for them until like the concert kicks off so i went to one of them they're doing it by album so this one was 1989 which was a, a hoot and um then afterwards um i have a couple of friends that go to the same place and so we went over to one of their houses that was kind of nearish by and had like she put out this like beautiful kind of mix of snacks from trader joe's and <laughs> we drank wine and ate trader joe's snacks and just chatted and it felt like very millennial it felt very millennial to me just like we like enjoying both the like fun and company of things but without like a lot of pretense right like it didn't have to be like bougie ass snacks it was delicious and it was perfect (laughs) it was the best time there in your cycle spandex drinking wine just so stinky (laughs) hanging out just chatting and it's it was great yeah so that was probably the most millennial thing that happened wonderful i don't get you every time but i remember this one. <laughs> um, what are we getting into today all right so today we are talking about millennials and diy culture um this topic was so i, I think i've talked about this podcast several several times i'm always going to like cross-reference it um be there in five is my favorite podcast in the world lovely host talks about a lot of um, kind of very pop culture or, or zeitgeisty topics. Um, yeah. And I was re-listening to one from forever ago because I'm completely caught up and still need that energy in my life. And it was talking about um, particularly um, LDS people who were into DIY. And I started thinking, I was like, okay, that's very, very interesting. We live in Utah. There's a big culture of LDS people around here. Um, so I thought it was like just culturally fascinating but it, I went in like a kind of a different loop about it. I was like, everything was DIY for so long. Like we are the Pinterest generation. We are um, like most, I don't know, just we have a lot of DIY around us. I was really big into it for a long time. And so I started thinking like, why is that? Chris, do you have any like thoughts on why or experiences? Yeah, I don't know if anyone culture can be like like held down with the thumb be like these are diy uh i can't even say it do it yourselfers i think do it yourselferism had its like moment in the sun and now people are trying to like spin it into like some especially tv right Mm -hmm. um what is it the the gains couple chip and joanna joanna who are essentially they're as big as Oprah. Like, I don't know if everyone <laughs> realizes how big they got. Literally ripping down sheds in people's yards and hammering it to people's walls in their houses, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not one for the farmhouse look or one for Waco for that matter. I've definitely spent quite a bit of uh, time in Waco. <laughs> I had my fill of it. But they seem to be like the the king and the queen of do it yourself. And that formula really took off on TV to the point where they were like, Oh, well, if people like this, maybe they'll like house flipping and they just go find interesting people that 
share many conflicts, but always end up flipping a house for profit, which is not the norm, everyone, <laughs> right? And so it's just really interesting how TV and media caught on to what people were kind of already doing. Like the grassroots of it all was blogging for sure. And uh, these often ladies... Uh, getting the cheapest Ryobi tool at Home Depot and showing everyone how to go make like built-in shelves yeah, or or like a little side table or something mm-hmm. like that. But my folks were DIY. Like so many vacations were consumed by a house project and not vacationing. Like oftentimes I caught myself being like, I'd much rather be at school than mudding tie wall at uh, been mudding like this wall and the drywall that yeah. we were doing or something like that. So yeah, I've, I'm very aware. You're very aware. Yeah. DIY. Yeah. So looking at this, cause I was like, oh my gosh, everything was DIY for a long time. It kind of came down to like why people postulate millennials are more DIY than ever. Um, it came down to kind of two things. And one was like access to the internet, something we talk about all the time, right? Changed like, everything. We have information at our fingertips that empowers like best practices and doing things. And second was um, we are going to forever be climbing out of financial holes as millennials. Um, and so there was like less available spending money. Um, millennials aren't buying houses as much, which we know. So there was less people are trying to get around having to involve a landlord or trying to make a place more of a home without making like big structural changes. Mm -hmm. Um, so those are kind of the two big things that like maybe kind of zone in on millennials in particular. There is like an entire neighborhood on the internet for (laughs) Ikea hacks that very much supports like some of those purposes that you just mentioned there where like, this isn't my space, but I, like it to feel like my space yeah, right yeah no totally um and i think that's like a such a huge thing that's really where my diy experience came from was living in like apartments in college and being like my home is such an important like where i feel <laughs> my home is like very important because it's where i feel safe right like i always want an area that feels safe and like myself and very happy chris knows this very well um our bedroom upstairs is full of plants and rocks and herbs and stuff and it makes me very happy and he's so kind to just let it be filled with life (laughs) but um I feel very safe and at home in it and so it was like that urge to create a a happy space but without any of the resources to do so um and another big thing just I couldn't find anything on this but my own Jillian's hypothesis Jillian's research center move over pew Pinterest Pinterest came around I think I think it was 2011 is when it launched in kind of a bigger format. Um, And Pinterest just changed the game, right? No longer were you, did you have to think of an idea yourself and then be like, okay, now do I, how do I execute it? You had literally this gorgeous, like aesthetic search engine that just fed you ideas all the time about like, oh, here's some hacks to doing this. You wanna you want a fancy to your IKEA hack point, you want a fancy dresser without the cost of a fancy dresser? Let's change out those knobs in the hemness and no one will ever know. Yeah. And I it's I haven't thought about this at all. So you like my mind's racing right now <laughs> on this topic. 
And I think it is like kind of a lot of it's it's a confluence of a lot of things happening in a moment together mm-hmm. that probably even had it may have like more power or like more influence behind it. Yeah. And so for instance, you had Pinterest, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, someone can fact check me on this. It might be a top five search engine in the world. It is. I think it's the number one search engine in the world when we looked at it a oh, while ago. Yeah. Between yeah. it and Google, it gets some of the highest mm-hmm. traffic uh, for search engine in the world. Yeah. It was the bridge of blogging, right? And so yeah. you used to have to in, you used to have to go find individual blog sites. Right. And there wasn't probably the best ways to market it to you because social media was still trying to get its foothold outside of, I guess Facebook would have been the majority mm-hmm. at that time. And here comes Pinterest putting tiles yeah, instead of just like clickable links mm-hmm. and things like that. You could save, you could folder. And then personally, that whole like era of distressed furniture yes. and farmhouse chic and all of that where nothing had to be perfect nothing had to look perfect and so i think that was very inviting to people too because there wasn't this concept of oh that's a well-finished piece of furniture that's a well-finished look uh things were like a lot more accessible in that genre of decorating shabby chic yeah shabby chic (laughs) and so you sit there and take this movement of blog folks you take I'm sorry, I know that I'm a minority on on this podcast and that most of us is females. I don't enjoy I don't enjoy shabby chic, but it would it had its, its moment. It had its moment. And so you take these we things and like the the emergence of Pinterest yeah. and accessibility mm-hmm. and information. And I think that's where that whole like boom of it all came from yeah no i'd even like trace it back a little bit further i i was a tumblr girly myself i don't know if you were were you no, a tumblr girl no. do you know what tumblr is um no i don't Imagine. i think i do but i i'm gonna say it wrong so no i don't you could kind of like follow pages or create creators or um like accounts and they would be themed it was like a combination of like pictures and words it was mm-hmm. very aesthetic um, some people used it as kind of like a journal. I had a roommate at one time that did. Um, but it was, you could find pages that it was just like only green things. And you could just scroll and see like green things. Frogs, grass, whatever. Um, so it would just like index on some metadata and mm-hmm. just serve you up content? Yeah. Interesting. And so it was it was very visually, um, visual forward in a lot of cases. Um, and so that almost to me, like it was the less useful, but more aesthetic Pinterest, like more curated to a certain topic, Pinterest. Interesting. Um, and so that almost, that kind of faded out in mid 2010s, kind of when Pinterest was taking off. Um, but yeah, no, you were absolutely right. We went hard for shabby chic. I remember when Target had like lines of shabby chic-esque decor um like bed ruffles things you just don't see anymore and probably haven't for a long time um but yeah there is something to i think that's exactly right like having that be kind of the aesthetic at the same time empowered people to be like oh i can mess it up and it's okay it's okay um and so 
as I was thinking this, I was like, are millennials actually, are we just forced into this or are we saying we're the DIY generation? Is this like a label we've given ourselves? Are there numbers to back it up that we are more DIY? If you would have asked me, I would have said millennials are less and less than anyone before them. Okay. Very interesting. Would you like to explain a little bit more? Yeah. um, This is just my lived experience. I can't speak for many other people. Uh, I come from a a line of do-it-yourselfers. I'm not many generations removed from farming or uh, blue-collar union work to where there wasn't a lot of income for the extra stuffs. And so I remember visiting grandparents. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have some great-grandparents as a child, and there was always a shop. Every every house I went to, there was always a shop that a granddad could go and, you know, whip something together really quick or put something together. And so a lot of that was just somewhat natural. But as education and income goes up over the general, I'm sorry, measurably Mm -hmm. as education and income uh, have correlated up until recently to, to more money, we find that we have more purchasing power and it's like a hobby more than a necessity is what I would have called it. And so those people who want to explore that hobby can really get into it. And those people who don't, there's just an entire, like being in this consumption model that we are here in America, Mm -hmm. there is a entire spectrum of the ability to go buy what you want. Right. And so I would have thought less and less people, doing stuff themselves and just cool. I can click a couple buttons and it'll show up at the door. So this is very interesting, kind of given the nature of our podcast and our age just difference that aligns with the Gen X um, thought more than it does millennial very. And you are a little bit closer to Gen X mm-hmm. than I am. Um, but actually millennials, 84% say they would rather have a do it themselves over hiring a professional. Um, I would like to see the spectrum of projects that people are raising their hand for. So the top four (laughs) projects that they're raising their hand for, I have it for you. Painting a house, landscaping, recalking, and retiling were the four most ones that they uh, said, yeah, yeah, I would rather do that myself. Interesting. I've done all of those. (laughs) Retiling is the worst of all of those. <laughs> so congratulations. She's so pretty. I saw a girl. Um, is that just like a backsplash, or are you like doing an entire like shower? It, I just said retailing. I okay, don't have the, enough, the drill down enough. on that. Um, but I saw this girl the other day on TikTok. Um, she re she put purple grout in her bathroom. And it is the most beautiful thing ever. So now I'm like, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't you retail when there's such a thing as purple grout out there? Incredible. Wow. Yeah. Very fun. Um, Okay. So 84% said they would rather do it themselves over a professional. Um, And they actually, millennials spend, plan on spending like $26,000 annually on home upgrades or repairs. And that doesn't matter if you're renting, doesn't matter if you own. That's mm-hmm. kind of the the average amount. And that's more than double um, what any other generation says that they're going to do. Fascinating. Um, I know not all millennials are, are renters. Like there's probably a decent, okay, percentage that are homeowners. But do you, okay, 
Fair enough. So let me just put this then if they aren't all or if there's not even a minority that are homeowners, right? During the pandemic where people actually had to be and live in their space, Mm -hmm. how many people were just like, oh, finally going to go lean into that home improvement project that happened Um, or, you know, just going and finding funds. I know of more than a handful of people that took out a HELOC on, on their home so they could go finance that and be like, I guess this is where we live. Yeah. Let's go make it the place that we want to live in. Right. So 80% of millennials surveyed did an, a house upgrade during COVID in some way or form a do it yourself house upgrade. 65% of them said that they did it themselves to save money. It was a repair that was needed, and they were mm-hmm. like, I'm at home anyways. I'm going to do it myself. And 49% said, so there was, you could choose either or in this. Yeah. 49% said it helped them keep busy during that time. So very interesting. Yeah, and I think like being at home, definitely you want to be comfortable in the space you're at. Wow, and, and do it yourself with the internet. It's like looking up a recipe. Yeah. There's so many people that can tell you the step-by-step of how to accomplish something. Exactly. And exactly the way you want it too, right? Like mm-hmm. you can find a million YouTube videos on redoing your garage and you just have to find one that aligns to you or pick and borrow from a few other ones. Yeah. Um, so it was interesting that you talked about millennials and house owning. So um, this, this. Am I way out of touch? A, a little bit. So this survey was conducted by Coinstar. Shout out Coinstar, my favorite business. Coinstar? <laughs> yes. Um, Coinstar did this. Information comes from everywhere. Information does come <laughs> from everywhere. And out of this, um, they out of this like group that they interviewed, eighty percent of boom, uh, baby boomers own their homes. Sixty-seven percent of Gen Xers own their home, and forty-seven point five percent of millennials own their home. Um, so this is where kind of all the statistics oh, I'm using come from. So like 50%. 50%, yeah. That was more than I thought when you gave me the look. Oh. I was like, okay, maybe was 15%. Like, no, Sorry, everyone, I'm out of touch. Not quite. <laughs> um, and out of, so out of those groups, they were the ones planning on doing $26,000 worth of annual upgrades. What I thought was very interesting is that we're doing a lot more DIY projects and we are also uh, the most confident in doing them. Mm-hmm. The 78.6% of millennial men consider themselves handy enough to do anything, to do any project. And I was like, does that include like rewiring a house? Like, yeah, there are some, is- <laughs> there are some things where being a tradesman or tradeswoman, uh, but being in the trades, it's like, you know what? I'm going to make sure that I pay for the right person to do this right job type of thing. And electrical and plumbing is just nothing I ever want to yeah, take on. No, I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, shout out to the those folks, right? Seriously. I've, I've met uh, quite a few of them. I'm just so impressed with like what the knowledge that they get yeah. and the experience they get over time. It's amazing. It is. It is so good. It is really incredible. Um, They found that when millennials took on these projects 90% of the time they were pleased with the outcome mm-hmm. with about 50% saying it came out perfectly or like better than they thought it would which is really cool so when it comes to home things millennials are doing more DIY projects we're spending more on 
house upgrades annually. We are more confident in our ability and we're pleased with the outcomes. Whether or not those are like structurally sound and will hold, hold up to the next person's. Completely um, <laughs> unpermitted. <Yeah. laughs> no inspections. I don't know. I don't know. But let me just say, all of that is um, very United States centric. I found an article about the UK, millennials in the UK. And this one... I will caveat, it seems to have been written by kind of somebody not of the millennial generation that did not think highly of the millennial generation. Okay, a decent decent amount of the internet generally when you just search. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But producer Ace has some feelings about that. Um, But there is, I I guess, a, um, a home improvement store called Homebase. Okay. In the the UK, and a lot of them are going out of business, and um, it's being attributed to millennials in the UK not doing anything themselves, and rather hiring things like TaskRabbits. And they interviewed a few people that either were millennials and and uh, or um, were TaskRabbits, and kind of talked to them about that. And the millennial sentiment was, well, DIY projects are expensive, and unless I know that I'm going to be able to get it right. I'm not going to invest in a tool to to do this with. I'm not going to invest in like the tool time and labor to do this right. I would much rather have someone else do it. Yeah. Um. And then TaskRabbit people, the one I interviewed was a little salty. He was like, I don't know why people can't like figure out how to do some of these things themselves. Um. Just like it, it takes some. It's like not common. It's like common knowledge how to like do some of these things. Boy, Seems a little salty. <laughs> it it does, and I hate that things fall into just like tropes and things like that. But you can go and scour social media, and depending on how your algorithm is, you could be fed like a handyman yeah. or like on YouTube or something like yeah. that, where it's like. Come see how I make $1,200, like, flipping breaker switches Mm. at people's house every single day or something. Like, just trying to show that there's some very, very, very simple stuff that they get overpaid to do because people haven't acquired that knowledge or skill set yet. Yeah, And it's like, I I get that. I think there has to be an appetite for it, right? Yeah. Like, I'm a little bit of a do-it-yourselfer to some point. Yeah, yeah. But I also know my limits, or I know what I don't want to sign up for too, right? Absolutely. And I think that there's like a trade-off with everything, right? Like it's not only the t- the like the cost of like having to buy a tool or anything. It's also like, okay, well, this is going to take an entire Saturday. I'm working like 60 hours a week. Do I really mm-hmm. want, is it valuable for me to try to like attack this on a Saturday? Or can I pay a little bit more, know that it's going to be done right and I get all that time back? Yeah, absolutely. I think the internet knows I'm cheap because I'm sitting here thinking of all the things that's fed me. Like <laughs> I saw one just the other day where um, this gal on YouTube was saying, hey, let me show you how to do your own wedding flowers. Yeah. And it was from Costco. Yeah. And she was like, I was quoted 10 grand and I did it for under $400. You pivoted so perfectly into our next topic, which is going to be DIY wedding. Slowly becoming the same person, <laughs> we everyone. Are slowly becoming the same person. <laughs> that was so good. Okay. So, yeah, we just talked about house things, but the DIY weddings was another huge thing. I feel like that's more attainable for people. And it uh, it's maybe a little bit less to get scared of, depending on what image you have of your wedding in your mind. Yeah, yeah. Right? So there was, I tried to look up any, like, location, any because I have my own thoughts on, like, 
what could why would somebody choose a DIY wedding versus like not so much like low touch versus high touch. Um, and I couldn't really find any, anything really on it. So this next section is going to be just like based on my experiences, based on the world as I observe. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean to have a wedding of any, any measure you're into it for what I imagine is thousands of dollars already. And then you consider like making something a little bigger over here Mm -hmm. or making something a little bit nicer over here. And it really just starts chalking up fast. Jillian was so, so, so kind to do most of all of the wedding planning. And I'm still in debt to her for doing it. No, it was good. But yeah, you kind of, you have to, you have to pick and choose is what it kind of comes down to. Yeah. Um, I know when like a lot of my friends were getting married kind of around 2012 to 2014 is Mm -hmm. kind of when the bulk of everyone did. That was, we, the world was still kind of climbing out of an economic depression. And, um, with, I can only think of maybe one exception. There was a lot of do it yourself activities that happened during that time. Um, and a lot of it was around like cost savings, right? Like exactly what you were saying. Like if we do our flowers ourselves, it's going to save you this much money. Mm-hmm. Um, if you take on this, it's going to save you that much money. Like so many people handled their own rental returns, everything yeah. like that, rather than have like a wedding planner um, handle it or like a venue handle it. Because like truly it was way less expensive. I spent hours and hours and hours tying invitations for friends, like stamping things, doing Mm -hmm. just the little details that really added up over time. Um, But I think a flip side out of that was everything was very personal, right? Oh, Um, okay. So my, it, it, it's, I think like when you have a vision and you want to execute it, sometimes those details can be lost when you hand it over to some other people. And depending on how much you're willing to take on yourself, um, you, I think you can have exactly the experience you want it, probably a lower cost and a lower risk of it not turning out. Um, and, and that was like kind of to my experience 10 years ago, but even now my brother got married this year, um, right. and his wife did most of it by herself. She did a lot of, um, like all the little details, everything she and her mom, like, and maybe my mom, I don't remember. Um, kind of spent forever doing they potted all these little succulents they did like so much it was very much like do it yourself but the end was like exactly what she wanted right so yeah i think there's like that aspect too of we have the knowledge now to not not lean so much on a professional for something you can probably do and i think that's kind of cool in some ways yeah i think it really comes if we're staying on the topic of of weddings or celebrations Mm -hmm. to to make that even wider yeah it's really it's really what do you want and how do you pull all the levers right so at work i i always say it's like anything's possible with time people and money yeah right which of those do i get to play with and so that's kind of what it falls back to here with me. It's like when we we did Australia, like Aust- yeah. eloping to Australia probably wasn't the cheapest option for us. Yeah. Um, and we decided not to do one or two things in order to get more of the things that were important for us to celebrate 
on the other side of the world doing what we wanted to do, yeah. right? We, yeah. we ensured we went and got a fabulous photographer, yeah. right? The best photographer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just a, a fabulous, fabulous photographer. Yeah. And we went and found <laughs> the right people on a short notice is what the full story is. Yeah. Maybe that's another story another time. Yeah. And then just getting ourselves there. And it's yeah. like a lot of that, what was sacrificed was... I guess people to come celebrate with us and some other things that bring cost into that consideration. So I can definitely yeah. see in the circumstances of people get married, children get married and all of that kind of stuff. The, the pocketbooks are only so deep across the, the average American. Yep. Yeah. And some of the choices we did make, like we, although we did not have like a full wedding planner there, um, we had an, the absolute most amazing person, Ellie from Sunshine Weddings in Australia, um, who did all of the setup, the breakdown. She did all of the like color coordination. She did like she had a beautiful table set out for us. It was mm-hmm. it was absolutely perfect and lovely. And um, nothing nothing I had the time or capacity or energy to think of or put together or try yeah. to figure out. So like. There is, I think, like, yeah, it just depends on, like, your circumstances, what you want from it, whether or not you do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but really pulling it back to those, the like, the millennials as we were kind of hitting some of these milestones and how much we did ourselves. I'm really proud of us. I'm proud that um, we didn't just accept our circumstances for what we were. I remember being outside in the freezing cold, spray painting gold onto these like dollar store um, like photo boxes that I had bought because I wanted something a little elevated, but I was not willing to spend Target money <laughs> on these things. Target money. Watch out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, just it, I'm I'm proud of us. I'm I think as a generation, aesthetics are very important to us. Mm-hmm. I think Gen Z that even increases a little bit. Um, but we were in a situation kind of as a as a group where money wasn't as tight, and so we did it ourselves. We figured out a way to have it all, and I think that's kind of us as millennials is like we're picking and choosing what matters to us. We're figuring out a way to get it done, and we're happy about it. And maybe it's not traditional, but we're great. Yeah, we're doing I, it. I think a lot of that comes down to, you know, what what are your financial financial obligations? What are your financial goals? And what levers can you pull? Like we we cook quite a bit at this yeah. house. You cook quite a bit at this house. <laughs> the collective, you we, angel baby, <laughs> the royal we. <laughs> uh, just because it's significantly cheaper, yeah, mo- uh, most times, yeah, than going in out and getting just like a. No- even fast food for that matter, yeah. like fast food's gotten a bit uh, unwieldy um, for all the right reasons. Costs are up. People got to make money. I'm not mad at anyone about that, but it's like wh- how you spend your money, like stripping it all down definitely should affect like what choices we make and what we do for ourselves and how we consume outside of ourselves. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to go make toothbrushes. I'm going to still buy toothbrushes. No. Right. But there's some <laughs> things that you could do yourself. Yeah. I think it's very interesting to look at us as as a group as a whole and kind of just another dynamic to add into the glorious wonder that is millennials. Okay, Jeej. Yeah. 
What are some of your proudest do-it-yourself projects that you've done? Oh, I... And do they still exist in our reality? Okay, so my I think my favorite one... Oh, man. Okay, so I lived in this apartment. It doesn't exist. I lived in this apartment and, like, cannot stress enough just how little it was. It was 500 square feet. It was teensy and very, very old and very, very dated. Everything was kind of yellow beige in it. And I was like, this is hideous. Some people would call that goldenrod. It it was (laughs) terrible. (laughs) It was not cute. Um, And I wanted... So you could... Um, you could pay to paint your walls, but it was a hundred a dollar, a hundred dollars per wall for you to pay to paint it, or for you to paint it. Just cause like, even if you painted it yourself, they were like, we're not taking chances on this. So I was like, okay, I want a little bit of like fun on the walls, but I'm not going to pay a hundred dollars to paint <laughs> each wall to paint this. So what I did is I ordered like washi tape online. Do you know what washi tape is? Uh, I don't. And I'm sure not everyone listening does <laughs> okay. either. It is. Um, it's like paper tape. Um, I think it's Japanese by nature and it's, it's very beautiful. It's very like light tape. Think about like, it's about painter's tape in, yeah. in stickiness. So not yeah. very sticky and it's very thin. It's like, um, probably about an inch or less in thickness. Okay. And I measured points between the wall and I stood there and did stripes all the way down my wall with washi tape. These, it was a beige wall. So I did like, g- um, gold washi tape and then like every fourth one or something was silver to kind of break it up. And it was beautiful, and it just elevated the apartment. I had so much green in there. It was lovely. Um, So I think that's probably the proudest was, because it took some, like, math skills, which I'm not great at. Um, And it took a lot of concentration and effort and precision to make it look good. So I'm proud of that. Are you more proud of that than when you won a magazine spot? That was the same apartment. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Don't don't play this down. Everyone, Jillian, fabulous taste. Very, very good at what she does. Motivated by not very much money often, just the will to win. Yes. One and a part so there's there's this thing in Utah. I imagine it's not unique to Utah. I don't much agree with it. Um it's uh builder showcasing homes that are probably completely out of reach for any normal American. Yeah, they're gorgeous. They're so fun to like look at and be like, wow. <laughs> like we're, we're talking 8,000 square foot homes, yeah. indoor basketball courts, like just over the top outrageous. And every year you can purchase tickets to see how not average people live. Yeah. Um, so they so showcase these they showcase these homes and it, it is a business opportunity for a lot of these people. It's not just the home builder, there's interior designers, mm-hmm. there's all of the services that support very high end homes. Landscaping, yeah, pools, yeah. All all sorts of uh things. Um apparently I now I wasn't aware that this existed. At one point it may not exist anymore, it may, it may still anymore, yeah. But they're doing Apartments, maybe a little bit more uh, reachable for the majority of us. Yeah, they did like it was show us your apartment, and they had people come and walk through, and your apartment had to be open for a whole day to the public. Um, I think Parade of Homes is like a handful of 
nights and days and things. Ours was just one whole entire day. Mm-hmm. Um, but people could just walk through and your apartment complex like had to sign off on it. But it was great. Um, like great advertisement for them as well, right? People can come in and see like how beautiful it is. So I entered it. I entered my home and we actually ended up winning. For the chance to win, how many dollars? Zero dollars. (laughs) Oh, you got a budget or something like that, right? No, I got, um, you could, it was like a stay at a condo in Park City and I think like movie tickets or something. There was something else in there too, but it was a stay in a condo in Park City for like two nights. Wasn't much to win. And it ended up being my friend's parents' condo that was the one that was. <laughs> and I was like, oh, we could have gone about this an easier way, but it was. Um, yeah. And you got a little spread in a magazine. And I got a little spread in the magazine. So I. St- and they're still, the apartment complex still uses those pictures in their promotional everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I will, um, if you DM me, I will send you those pictures. It is a tiny apartment, but it, a lot of love went into decorating it perfectly. When it came to what you were researching, no and I know this is a, a little bit further away from um, just generalizing our demographic. Yeah. What about fixing your own car? I did not search into that at all, but I would love to hear your thoughts about it because you are a huge proponent of this. I, I am for certain parts of it. I think that uh, cars have become so smart and there's so much integrated technology that actually gets in the way of an average person being able to go and address certain things on, on a vehicle, right? But for me, brakes are brakes. Oil is oil. Um, assuming that something is just a hardware piece. Yeah. I'm very, very of the opinion that, I'm sorry, I'd invite anyone to consider what it is to do it yourself on those particular things. Uh, the cost savings is actually pretty unreal of not paying the 80 to $120 an hour for someone to do something to your car. But then you obviously have to understand that there are just things that unless you went to school, unless you have the knowledge, unless you have like the OEM manuals and all that kind of stuff, you you shouldn't do, you shouldn't touch that on your car because you might find yourself without a car. (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense. Right. But like changing your own brakes can save you hundreds and hundreds of dollars. However, it is a Saturday. It is an afternoon event for you to go and do that yourself. Right. And so I think there's that like balancing point of, do I, do I have the courage to do it? Do I think that I can actually be successful doing it? And do I lose an entire like half of my day when I get yeah. two days off or something like yeah, that? Yeah. Right. Kind of like we were talking about with those UK examples, like balancing the time and the effort versus the money and the, the freedom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Like one more thing that's in my head. And I think it's almost preying on millennials and Gen Zers mm. is these like food pantry boxes. Or like like a hungry root or like the food delivery services where they send you pre portioned ingredients and yeah. meals and everything. If any if any of you are out there, we would love to try you if you would like to, <laughs> to advertise. 
Definitely. I should probably not say what I was going to say. <laughs> no, I think it's great because we are. I think it's a great introduction for people. Or if people are really busy but don't want to eat fast food or don't want to just mm-hmm. be eating ingredients. It almost means it's like spoon feeding the do it yourself, right? It's like, I know I shouldn't be eating out every single night. But I maybe don't have the aptitude or some of these other things. Yeah, or maybe I live in like this crazy, like maybe it's not accessible for me to get fresh produce Mm -hmm. as quickly as I can use it for a week. So here we go. Here's everything. I know I'm getting good ingredients for a week. What I would, if, if, if everyone's made it this far, or for thank you for those who have made it this far to the podcast. I would love to see other people's do-it-yourself projects. Oh, yeah. I would love to celebrate with everyone and see, like, how big or how small yeah. or how room-changing or life-changing or any of that stuff is. I would just love to see what people are, like, doing, what they're mm-hmm. capable of. Like, Jillian was cross-stitching the other day. I can't tell you that I've ever seen anyone actually cross-stitch in my entire <laughs> life. Right. And out came this, out came this product, like the vision and, and the product all came together, right. Of doing it yourself rather than going to, I don't know, a Joann's or something else like that, where it's maybe hanging on a wall and you buy it for someone instead. Yeah. Yeah. So big invitation. We would love to see it. Yeah. If, if you can send it to, uh, any of our social handles or to our Gmail, mind the millennial gap at Gmail, I'd love to see what people are capable of. Like truly, truly we want to celebrate all the cool things you guys do. Cause we know you do a lot. What is your next project? Ooh, like DIY, my next DIY project. Yeah. Yeah. What are you planning on doing? So I'm, I think I've told you this a few times. I'm really excited to like grow my own food <laughs> at some point. So that's like kind of the big one that I have up there is like setting up how to, how to care for like these things, how to like, how to grow them, how to take care of them. Um, but also like we are coming up on kind of an exciting life event where we are going to be moving states here in a few months. And that just like completely opens up all of the space for DIY, right? Like a new yeah. place, a new canvas, new opportunity to make it feel like a home and like comfortable for everyone. Um, so we'll see what's going to come out of that. I'm sure it's going to be just so fun. And so if, if you've listened, it may have been our last one. I know we took a small little break, but yeah. where I don't have a hobby, Jillian actually has quite a few hobbies and she's not afraid to like dive into the deep end of them to see if she actually wants to like continue that hobby or not. My toxic trait is like having no doubt that I can figure something out when it comes to like a craft or a hobby or like a a small scale endeavor. I'm like, absolutely, I can do it. Like, no worries. Samesies, girl. (laughs) Why do you think I changed my own brakes? (laughs) I love it. (laughs) But I think uh, what I'll, I'll do this for her. I'll celebrate Jillian for her. Jillian got into candle making somewhat recently and is being wildly successful with it. And when I say wildly successful, it's not a business. It's just her really exploring what's possible. And it's quite fun to watch, like as an audience person it's in been the a background. Lot of fun. We, we had 
Um, we've had some fails. We learned a, I learned a hard lesson this week that sometimes like a silicone stirring thing doesn't all the way let go of the essential oils you've used to make <laughs> candles in it. And maybe you make a mochi cake that doesn't taste like soap because it tastes like the essential oils that you used. <laughs> <laughs> so we still have some things to figure out, but it's been, it's been really fun. And like both you and producers have been so cool to just let me make candles all the time and you're always like yeah look at that that's cool so <laughs> this is the best helps hobbies help diy helps when you have great cheerleaders around you too wonderful did we make it through everything we sure did okay i'm going to double down okay open invitation to anyone send us your things send us your things i want to see walls that were painted I want to see whole like bookshelves or or whatever you all are into. A craft I, you really like. Yeah, I yeah. really love watching and seeing all of this stuff. So I'd love to love to celebrate with you. Absolutely. All right. Anything else, Cheech? That's it. All right. Hey, thanks for being patient with us. Thanks for letting us just let life get in the way a little bit. We're happy <laughs> to be back, and we will be back next week. Promise. Promise. All right. Cross our hearts. Bye. Bye. Bye.